mop, 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 all day long. Oh, hey there. I was just cleaning up around Pick 6 Studios. Lousy interns. You don't know what Pick 6 Movies is. Why, stranger, take a load off and let me tell you all about it. Mind the wet floor. So, my oldest pal Chad Cooper and I, that's Bo Ransdell to anyone asking, we set up a little podcast here a few years back, and every season we wrestle up six movies built around one theme or another, and this season is season 16. We call this one, It's Like Jaws, on account of it being a half dozen movies that are kind of like Jaws. This is episode two, a terrifying tale of reptiles in the sewers, but before Chad and I start gushing over this story of alligator flushing, he's got a tale to tell. Not only do we talk about the movies, we give you a little trivia to impress your friends and terrify your enemies. But no matter how you got here, we're glad you made it. Now enough out of me, Chad, make these people smarter, will ya? On June 11th, 1982, the motion picture E.T. was released to theaters in the United States. Now, back then, I was 10 years old, the same age as Elliot, the boy in the movie who befriends the benevolent alien from outer space. I had a younger sister who at the time had a closet filled with oversized stuffed animals. I also had an older brother who had a similar curly head of hair like Elliot's older brother in the movie. And much like that older brother in the film, my older brother had a bunch of friends that were stupid assholes that ended up running from the cops later in life. And on a lot of different levels, I identified with Elliot. As the movie unfolds, there's excitement and adventure and friendship and love, and it explores the impact of divorce on a family. E.T. and Elliot get day drunk on Coors beer, prompting Elliot to steal his first kiss during a mass frog exodus in a science lab. You had Steven Spielberg behind the camera, John Williams' unforgettable musical score. It's one of the greatest 80s movies of the 80s. Heck, it's one of the greatest movies ever made, period. But being a great 80s movie, it had that something special that a lot of great 80s movies would sneak in. You know what I'm talking about. It was that psychological scarring hallmark of 1980s movies. You know, a bunch of scary shit that snuck up on you and emotionally damaged you for the rest of your life. Well, in the case of E.T., there were a few of these moments for me. When the government officials show up and they take over Elliot's family home and they're wearing those full body hazmat suits, that was a little disturbing. Seeing the once adorable E.T.'s ashy, lifeless corpse crumpled up in a drainage ditch with a feral raccoon nibbling on his skin. Yeah, that's something I can close my eyes and still see to this day. Heck, just the concept that aliens might be, you know, real, that was a mind scramble for me as a kid. Heck, it's a mind scramble for me as an adult. But there was another moment in the film. It was a throwaway line, but my brain went over and plucked it out of the trash so that I could obsess over it for years to come. After Elliot encounters E.T. late at night in the garden shed, he tosses a baseball in only to have it tossed back out. And then the whole family gathers around to try to figure out what it was that Elliot saw hiding outside at night. Now, Mike, the older brother with the asshole friends, he proposes that what 10-year-old Elliot ran into was quite possibly an iguana or an elf or a leprechaun or a pervert or a deformed kid. And amongst this mix of colorful and creative suggestions that Mike has about Elliot's late-night encounter, Mike says this. Uh, 
You know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. Wait, 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 wait. What was that? Alligators in the sewers. No, just uh, say that again. Alligators in the sewers. Now, this whole conversation escalates until Elliot calls his older brother penis breath, a term I'd never heard before until that night at the movies. Look, I told you it was a great film. So after the tearful goodbye and E.T.'s return home, I went back to my home. And I was thinking about one thing. Alligators in the sewers. Yeah, that's right. Every time I rode my bike around my neighborhood and I passed a manhole cover, I was thinking about one thing. Alligators in the sewers. Walking home from school and looking down a storm drain. Alligators in the sewers. I wasn't even sure if this was a real thing, but you know what? In the 1980s, for me, it sure as hell was a real thing. In the 1980s, there were all kinds of urban legends that kids believed because we didn't have the internet to help us debunk all the bullshit we heard on the playground. In the 80s, there was a whirlwind of crazy nonsense for kids to believe. Bigfoot, the abominable snowman, the Loch Ness Monster, the Bermuda Triangle, they took up so much of my childhood, I'm surprised it even made it past the 8th grade. The idea that if you swallowed gum, it would stay in your body for seven years was a commonly held truth. But the truth is, you shit that gum out within seven days, and no, it does not blow a bubble when you fart. There was a commonly held belief that chemicals were added to public pool water to make it turn a different color when you pee in it. Now, I can confirm this with 100% accuracy. This is not true. And this was tested both when the pee was administered below the public pool swimming levels and separately if the pee was added to the pool from a standing position on the diving board, both low dive and high dive. The idea that we only use 10% of our brains with an untapped reserve of 90% smartness just waiting to be tapped into. Well, that was something else that was full of shit. Research shows that people use 100% of the brain. It's just that some people are stupid. Shaving your hair does not make it grow back thicker. Coca-Cola does not dissolve teeth. And on the topic of Coca-Cola, combining it with Pop Rocks will not cause you to explode like a bird that accidentally ate some uncooked rice that was thrown at a wedding. Whoops, sorry, that one's full of shit too. Cracking your knuckles does not cause arthritis. Jerking off will not make you go blind. See independently published studies associated with the pee in the pool experiments discussed earlier. Saying Bloody Mary three times in the bathroom with a lit candle does jack shit. It's all make them up nonsense. None of this is true. They're all urban legends and they're just full of shit. But there was one story that felt like it kind of sort of might actually be true. Alligators in the sewers. Yeah, that's the one. In 1932, the New York Times published the first article reporting a sighting of a suspected alligator in the sewers chilling out on the banks of the Bronx River. Three years later, another article was published with the following headline, Alligator found in uptown sewer. Youths shoveling snow into manhole see the animal churning in icy waters, snare it, and drag it out. Reptile slain by rescuers when it gets vicious. Whence it came is a mystery. And I guess this story was reliable. Who the hell knows? But since those initial reports, there have been multiple additional reports over the years of alligators showing up in lakes and rivers all around New York City. But none of them were as famous as this snow shoveling alligator from 1935. 
And also, I'm not sure how the people described as rescuers can be classified as rescuers if the reptile was slain when it got vicious. <laughs> slain? What, they think it was a dragon? All right, let's move on. Now, the first question that always comes to mind is where would an alligator come from as alligators are not native to the five boroughs of New York City? Well, way back in the day, you could actually order a baby alligator from boys' magazines, along with other useless yet deviant items such as x-ray vision glasses and whoopee cushions. There was also a theory that vacationers went down to Florida, bought baby alligators, took them back home up north, raised them up in their bathtubs until the ASPCA had to be called to handle this terrible mistake. But these theories only explain how the alligators got up north, not how they got in the sewers. The dominant theory is that people who got their hands on little tiny baby alligators, well, they get a little bit bigger and so they just go toss them in the wild after they got too big to cuddle, or they skeedaddled them down a storm drain, or sometimes flushed the gators that did not exceed the standard size human poop. And now that all explained how we ended up with... Alligators in the sewers. Exactly. Now, somewhat not surprisingly, alligators have been found around the greater New York City area from time to time. But hey, it's New York City. Look around long enough, you're bound to find everything showing up once or twice around there. But when it comes to alligators, it is highly unlikely that they lived and thrived in the sewers of New York. The number one reason that this didn't happen is that it gets cold there. Alligators don't survive too well in extended, frigid environments. It's basic biology. You throw in a little simple science and this all equals made up malarkey. So if this is all nonsense, then why do people continue to believe it? Well, because people are stupid and stupid people like to believe things that are even more stupid than they are so they don't feel so stupid. Back in 1959, this guy named Robert Daly, he wrote a book called The World Beneath the City, which included an interview with a man claiming to have been sewer commissioner in the 1930s when there was a campaign launched to get rid of all the alligators in the New York City sewer system. But it turned out that that guy daily interviewed for the book, he was never the commissioner of anything. And instead, he was completely full of shit. A few decades after that book was published in 1982, the New York Times got around to interviewing the sewer bureau spokesman, John T. Flatterly, about alligator sightings in the sewer. Flatterly said to the New York Times, I could cite you as many cogent logical reasons as to why the sewer system is not a fit habitat for alligators. But suffice to say, in the 28 years that I've been in the sewer game, neither I nor any of the thousands of men who have worked to build, maintain, or repair the sewer systems has ever seen one. And a 10-foot, 800-pound alligator? <laughs> that would be hard to miss. Despite the best scientific minds concluding that alligators in the sewers is pretty far-fetched and the lack of any real evidence by the people who work in the sewers, the urban legend of alligators in the sewers lived on, with one version of the legend including an albino alligator that changed colors due to the lack of sunlight. That sounds pretty believable, right? And that wasn't the only version of the story that involved mutations when alligators go underground, with one involving alligators eating toxic waste and turning turning into these like oversized killing machines. Because you know, when you put it that way, I mean, maybe it's possible. Cause think about it. The sewer system in New York City is huge. Are you telling me that an alligator couldn't hide in some dank corner and grow to a grotesque, unusual size whilst nibbling on toxic waste and getting all gigantic and hanging out, just looking for people to eat? It's an interesting proposition. 
and it was a proposition that was asked by the makers of the 1980 film Alligator. Back in 1978, Joe Dante directed the movie Piranha, which was called the best Jaws ripoff, period. Well, you disagree with that assessment? Well, I'll tell you what, you can take it up with Mr. Steven Spielberg, because he was the one who said that Piranha was the best Jaws ripoff. You know what? Get out of here, you hack. You're never going to work in this business again. Disagree with Mr. Spielberg. Where were we? Ah, yes, Piranha. Joe Dante spent the early years of his career cutting movie trailers for Roger Corman movies. But with the success of Jaws, it was Corman who decided to rip off the blockbuster success of the most famous shark movie to date and create his own deadly swim fest film with the aquatic nightmare of a movie known as Piranha. It was this low budget B movie because, you know, it was a Roger Corman production. And it was slated to hit theaters in 1978, the same year that Jaws 2 was set to disappoint movie going audiences across the United States. The top brass over at Universal Studios got got wind of the carnivorous chomp fest that was Piranha, and studio exec said, Over my goddamn body. There's not enough room for two deadly fish films this summer. Get the League of Boys on the phone. Write up an injunction to prevent Piranha from being released in theaters. If a movie is going to rip off Jaws, it's going to be Jaws 2. The Jawsening! But then, Mr. Steven Spielberg, who did not direct Jaws 2, <laughs> obviously. Well, Spielberg saw Piranha and realized, hey, this movie's actually pretty good. Spielberg went in and told the fat cats in the C-suite, hey, chill out and just let these two deadliest catch movies do what they do when it comes to pulling people into theaters to watch movies about people getting eaten while swimming in the ocean or rivers or lakes or water reservoirs or wherever it is that their lower torsos are submerged. Full disclosure, a lot of people on staff here at Pick 6 Movies lobbied hard to have Piranha be included as one of the six movies for this season. But after re-watching Piranha, the majority of our staff agreed with Mr. Steven Spielberg. For a low-budget campy flick, Piranha is actually pretty darn good. And that's thanks primarily to two people, director Joe Dante and writer John Sayles. Joe Dante was not only behind the camera on Piranha, he also directed the film The Howling, and both of these films were written by John Sayles. Dante's early films led to a working relationship between he and Steven Spielberg that lasted many years, starting with Dante directing a segment in the Twilight Zone movie, and he later landed in the director's chair of the film Gremlins, as well as that movie's self-deprecating sequel, Gremlins to The New Batch. He also directed a personal favorite film of mine, Inner Space, that stars Martin Short and Dennis Quaid. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. Now, when Piranha hit theaters, it had everything that the movie going public wanted to see in a Jaws ripoff, and then some. Sure, it had killer fish eating people, but Piranha also had more gore than Jaws, and it had more humor than Jaws, and it had more full frontal bare breasts shown on the big screen. Although Jaws did have Bad Hat Harry and his pendulous old man breasts, so we may need to double check our math on that. 
Now, unlike Jaws, the movie Piranha had a subtext that included a message about the industrial military complex and man's misuse of science for nefarious wartime purposes. And to bring all of this evil science for war narrative to an otherwise schlocky B-grade screenplay was none other than the aforementioned screenwriter John Sayles. Sales was born in Schenectady, New York, and he graduated from Williams College with a BA in psychology in 1972. On top of his interest in psychology, Sales wrote short stories for The Atlantic to make a few bucks, and in 1975, he published his first novel, The Pride of the Bimbos. This novel was about a traveling circus sideshow softball team, the Brooklyn Bimbos, who play games dressed in drag, going from scraggly small town to scraggly small town in the South. The heart of the team is a midget who is a former private eye named Pogo Burns who is pursued by an evil super pimp whom Pogo had earlier shot in order to rescue the woman he loved. Excuse me for a moment. Of bimbos and order with one click and done. I shall be reading that in a two days. Sale's first novel got critical good reviews and it led to continued writing, which included working on screenplays for Roger Corman. Sales took the job of writing the screenplay for Piranha as a way to bankroll his first feature film, Return of the Seacock of Seven, about seven friends who spend the weekend together in New Hampshire and some shit goes down and things get a little bit weird. The movie was highly acclaimed by critics and it was later selected for preservation in the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. Sales went on to make subsequent films, including Liana, about a woman who is married to a man but falls in love with another woman, Scandal. He also made the film Brother from Another Planet about a three-toed humanoid alien who escapes from another planet, crashes his spaceship on Ellis Island, and because he looks like a black man from Earth, the alien hides in Harlem while being pursued by other space aliens. Now, some people describe this movie as the Black E.T. movie, which isn't too surprising because Sales wrote an early draft of the movie E.T. when it was called Night Skies. But when asked about Brother from Another Planet, Sales said that the movie was really about the challenging assimilation of immigrants in America. Sales movies always had something to say. Mate Wan was a film released in 1987 and explored the difficult lives of coal miners striking in a small town in West Virginia. Eight Men Out told the story of the 1919 Chicago Black Sox scandal. Sales was nominated two times for an Oscar, once for the screenplay for Passion Fish in 1992, which also snagged a Best Actress nomination for Mary McDowell, and Sales was also nominated for the screenplay for the movie Lone Star in 1996. Over his decades-long career, John Sales directed and wrote some really, really good movies. And he also wrote the screenplay for the subject of this episode of Pick 6 Movies, 1980's Alligator, which didn't really have a message. It was just a movie about, well... Alligators in the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> Alligators in the sewers. John Sales wrote Piranha in 78, and he was looking to earn some more scratch so he could go make some quality movies. Everybody was looking to cash in on the monsters eating people craze of the late 70s. The decade given to sharks and piranha and bears, oh my. It only seemed logical that Hollywood would tap into the urban legend of... Alligators in the sewers. 
Yeah, and turn this tale of terror into a feature film. Keep in mind that theater goers already suffered through Toby Hooper's 77 Texas-based Eaten Alive, featuring a Nile crocodile. But that movie was Toby Hooper's follow-up to the 74 horror masterpiece, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Eaten Alive focused more on the maniac killer in that film and less on his pet crocodile that lived in a swamp next to a motel and kind of served more as a living garbage disposal used to dispose of the maniac's victims. Kind of like one of those dinosaur appliances in the Flintstones. Key difference here is that this crocodile consumed prostitutes and a family dog named Snoopy. Movie-going audiences saw the South Korean Thai film Crocodile Fangs, and there was another movie that came out about the same time called Giant Crocodile. These two movies often get confused with one another. I've not seen either of these two movies, and in both cases we're dealing with crocodiles, and I will see them after a while. And we're not here to see something later. We're here to talk about Alligator. Alligator was directed by Louis T, who went on to direct the adaptation of Stephen King's novel Cujo, another movie also considered for this season of Pick 6 Movies. Spoilers, we're not doing that one either. Teague sat in the director's chair for the anthology film Stephen King's Cat's Eye. That was a pretty good movie. Now, Alligator is like Jaws, but with an alligator. But because John Sayles was behind the screenplay, the movie is genuinely fun and full of campy scares. Much like Piranha, the movie Alligator knew not to take itself too seriously, which was smart because the film is full of all the stupid shit that a movie like this is supposed to have. The writing of the screenplay is honestly better than a movie like this deserves. And on top of that, the acting is better than a movie like this deserves. Robert Forster plays the lead detective, David Mack. Madison, who's looking to kill a giant alligator rooting around in the sewers of Chicago or Milwaukee or St. Louis. I don't know where this movie takes place. Forrester would later show up as bail bondsman Max Cherry in Quentin Tarantino's film Jackie Brown, a role that Tarantino said was inspired by the alligator hunting detective David Madison. Actor Robert Forrester was also the guy in Breaking Bad who showed up to give Walter White his chemo treatments in the cabin in the woods during the final season of that show, and it turns out that Brian Cranston, the actor who played Walter White on Breaking Bad, well, Cranston was a special effects assistant on Alligator, rigging up the alligator guts for the film's finale. Huh, small world, ain't it? Now we're gonna talk about the movie Alligator, start to finish when Bo gets here, in a few minutes. If you listen closely, you can hear him giggling from the other room. And I don't wanna spoil any of the insanity that this movie has to offer. But I will tell you this, Alligator did inspire a sequel, which was Alligator 2 The Mutation. It had a limited release in theaters and came out like a full decade after the original hit the silver screen. And it wasn't written by John Sayles and it wasn't directed by Louis Teague. And I don't know if the movie was any good or not because I never saw it. And these days, there are so many exploitation and alligator rage-filled movies all over TV networks and streaming services. There's Lake Placid, Killer Croc, Dino Croc, Lake Placid 2, Mega Shark vs. Crocosaurus, Super Croc, Lake Placid 3, Super Gator, The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, Mega Python vs. Gatoroid, Crawl, Lake Placid, the final chapter. You know, I actually like that one best because that's the one where uh, one of them Cory kids shaves his head at the end and pretends to be an alligator. But all these killer reptile movies owe their path to success to one single film. And that movie, of course, is Jaws. But without Jaws, Roger Corman would never have bankrolled the movie Piranha, which was successful enough to inspire the movie featured in this very episode. So without any more screwing around, let's get Bo in here. Stop giggling and we will climb into the dank, 
dark sewers and we'll walk backwards into poorly lit corners with flashlights a-flickering and stomp around in the raw sewage water. That is the movie featuring... She is so adorable. And welcome to Pick 6 Movies. I am Chad Cooper, and as always, I am joined by my lovable, long-tailed, green, scaly, I'm just kidding, he put some ointment on that, and now it's all gone away, Mr. Bo Ransdell Bo, how are you doing this evening? Still a little scaly. Not going to lie, but it's getting better. The lotion helps a bunch. Very nice. That is good to hear. We're here to talk about the motion picture Alligator, Mm -hmm. in case you skipped over the entire introduction. And then look at the title and perhaps have some sort of memory disorder where you uh, have to be told things over and over again like Memento Guy. Who are these voices? Are they ghosts? Who said that? Wake up with a tattoo that just says alligator on it. Oh, I guess I guess I like alligators. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into this because there's a whole lot going on in this movie that starts off really like a bad nature documentary. You know, the kind mm-hmm. that a science teacher would turn on after she's had a rough night, kind of hung over. She's got to get through those three periods of sophomore biology. Too many strawberry margaritas at Chili's from the night before. She's going to eat a cheeseburger at lunch today. She doesn't care who's watching. She just needs a cheeseburger today. (laughs) This movie wastes no time and immediately gives us an alligator. And then we get the title that says alligator. And you're like, hell yeah, that's what I'm here for, man. I want to see an alligator. You give me an alligator. You didn't have to listen to a hell helicopter lecture or nothing alligator here we go i like that this alligator is just chilling out in the water and then freddie mercury shows up uh in his tight blue jeans and his tight white t-shirt i am immortal he says anybody find me some gator to love Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so Each morning I get up, I wrestle a little. Turns out we're at Gatorland or Swamp World or some other hokey roadside attraction in what state, where else, Florida. Of course, Chad. I mean, I remember these from my youth of driving to Florida when I was a kid and seeing these roadside gator wrestling stands. It's This is period accurate. I remember seeing them driving on my way to work most days. <laughs> I, I figured they would have been outlawed, but I forgot you've got Governor Wackadoodle. So, yeah, I'm surprised they're not mandatory for every man, woman, and child. Until I am legally required to move away from the state in which I am in, my driver's license currently says I reside in the state of Florida. And I just want to say, I personally see alligators three times a week where I live. They are everywhere, Bo. Sick with alligators. My wife texted me a picture tonight where she was out with our dog and an alligator was swimming around looking at him, wanting to eat him. So (laughs) alligators are not something that is uncommon in my day-to-day life. So in watching this, I'm like, this all feels pretty accurate. Up to and including this hillbilly that just starts (laughs) wrestling this gator as an announcer is like, oh, look at here, folks. It's backyard gator wrestling at its finest. 
fast. You thought that was a log, but it wasn't a log. It was a gator, folks. You know what? I'll tell you what. On your way out, you can get your own Seminole souvenirs and pick yourself up your own baby alligator on your way out. And then the movie immediately is like, hey, look, you know what? If given a chance, an alligator will kill anybody, including this mustache asshole. So let's make that happen. And then Freddie Mercury just falls backwards into the mud water. And this alligator comes over and just starts chomping on Freddie Mercury. Yeah, grabs his leg. But we're not 60 seconds into this film. There have been no opening credits. Thank you very much. And we got an alligator eating a guy. (laughs) Yeah, and a little girl looking on with fascination. Not horror, Chad. She's into it. There's a couple of guys who come out with like sticks and rope. And they've done this a time or two before. And they're like whacking on the gator and (laughs) My favorite part of all of this is the announcer saying, that's the thing about gator wrestling, folks. Sometimes the gator wins. Zeke and Deblin and Freddie Mercury, they're trained professionals. Don't worry, we got all this under control. Let's give Freddie Mercury here a hand or part of a leg, more appropriately. Yeah, and sure enough, the, the crowd is like, uh, yeah, I guess. Good job. Or Freddie Mercury's just screaming as they drag him out like, Mama, I gotta kill the man. Put his jaws around my head. Squeezed it tight and now I'm dead. Mama, my leg had just begun. But now he's gone and eaten it all away. Ha, ha, ha. Mama. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so... <laughs> I see a hillbilly with a gator <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Zeke and Devlin, they drag off Freddie Mercury. He's doing about as well as that kid Bobby was doing in the movie Grizzly. Sure, there are parts of him that are still alive, but there are definitely parts of him that are seven hours away from being gator shit. Yeah, I... I had a real little Bobby flashback here, but there's a more appropriate one later. It's nice that this movie starts right off with an amputation. I really appreciate that. When you saw the little girl wide-eyed like, yes, yes, Uh look how the gator eats him. Did you immediately think, oh, this little girl's going to grow up to be another character in the movie? No, I was kind of doing the math on how old she would be now because she seems like my kind of girl. Like somebody at a young age that saw someone wrestle a gator and lose that's kind of a potential mate for me ah i see it's very particular chad it's really hard to use the online dating sites they have very few gator related options i'm sure that goes over on your tinder profile i enjoy watching people eaten alive by alligators swipe swipe how do you feel about long walks and people being partially devoured by reptiles you gotta science it up a little chad to lure them in This little girl is a white trash version of Veruca Salt. Uh, Oh, yeah. She tells her parents, she's like, but I want a baby alligator now. There's a whole aquarium full of baby alligators. Mm -hmm. And there's a weirdo in a bandana that's like, go on, honey, get yourself one. Dude, it's Burgess Meredith from Stay Away Joe. Very (laughs) similar, although he might be authentically Native American. (laughs) I doubt that. She's dancing around. She's like, I want a gator. One with a big smile, not a crocodile. I'm bored with in a short while. Give it to me. No. Like, what's up with all the musical numbers in this movie? Or is it just this episode, Chad? This little girl's irresponsible parents, they buy her a baby alligator. 
her mother buys her the alligator. The father has a totally different take on this alligator situation. <laughs> oh, we're going to deal with that in just a moment. Yeah. But she names the she names the alligator Ramon. Yes. And they drive back to Missouri, I That's guess, because right. we see him go past the state sign on their way from Florida. That had mm-hmm. to be a nightmare trip. In <laughs> Especially with this alligator on the way back. <laughs> Mother, I would like some flies and crickets for this alligator, please. I think it was a whole lot of, ow, quit it. Ow, quit it. <laughs> yeah, if you hold its mouth shut, that's the trick, Chad. She gets Ramon back to her room, and she's got a terrarium set up, and she's like, Ramon, this is your new home. You're going to love it here. I've got lots of bugs and jelly beans and pizza and boogers for you to eat. You're going to have a wonderful time. Until. Dad comes home. For the record, there's a news report on in the background to say that it's 1968 and they're, the Chicago riots are going doom, on doom, to doom. kind of place this. Doom, 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 doom. So dad comes home, speaking of wartime, Jesus Christ, he comes in loaded for a bear. I'm just like, the fuck is this alligator? He sounds like a Charlie Brown teacher. He's like, dude, he goes looking for his daughter and it's up to the mother to be like, Jesus Christ, he's at school. Don't hurt her. I'm going to take this alligator and flush him down the goddamn toilet. And she's like, well, what are we going to tell our child? He says, well, tell her it died like we did with the hamster. So he's a serial killer, Chad. Well, he's a serial pet killer, yes. He drops this alligator, Ramon, into the toilet. Uh Uh-huh, just like Nemo. Uh Uh-huh, and says, there you go, a burial at sea. Which is pretty funny. There's a few things missing from this scene when he flushes the alligator, because you see it go down the pipes into the sewer. And what I want to note that are missing are turds, toilet paper, bags of cocaine, tampons, condoms, and unexpected prom babies. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to run into a prom baby or two down there. There's no doubt about that. An oversight in the production design. (laughs) You know what? You make a sequel to this movie, and it's called Prom Baby, and it, it gets injected with blue hormones and shows up and eats all of the kids that were at prom mm-hmm. that'd be on our podcast i think the movie you're talking about is basket case chat <laughs> they've done it already and it's wonderful so R- ramon is flushed down into the sewers uh-huh. he lands belly flat and he's like well, well it appears ramon has found a new place to live in the sewer well i like what i've done with the place already oh ramon you are so sly you crack me up ramon you know it's just you and me and the sewer ramon we get a title card that says 12 years later (laughs) and then so we're 12 years in the future but bo everything kind of looks the same as it did in the last scene it's really amazing how (laughs) the more things change chad the more they stay the same And we're introduced to the hero of this movie here, Chad. Robert Forster playing Detective Madison. Uh Uh-huh. Madison is in a pet store. Man, here's what I love about the 1970s, Chad, is you could put a man like Robert Forster as the the star of your movie. Uh Uh-huh. 
He hasn't shaved in two and a half days. He's not wearing deodorant. No, and that's not method acting, Chad. That's just Robert Forster in 1979. <laughs> you could see the stink lines on the screen. He's going bald, which is a great running joke in this movie. It's r- genuinely funny. I didn't think it was that funny of a joke. In fact, I kind of thought everybody was gaslighting him because they make such a big deal of how he's going bald. And I was like, the dude's got a pretty good thick head of hair. What are you talking about? You're right. The The basic premise is off because his hair is not that bad but i like that there are multiple people along the way that are like you know just between us i like that i think that's funny so he's at this pet store and uh is talking to sydney lassick sydney lassick yeah who we last saw on cool as ice yeah he was fixing motorcycles at peewee's playhouse for vanilla ice at all detective madison is like hey there pally how much for this here dog he was over there in the discount dog bin aka the youth and eyes gotta get a home or else <laughs> is this one defective in any way what should i be looking forward to brains wise yeah and sydney lassick the pet shop owner he was like Oh, you poor son of a bitch. I know what you're going through. Look at my big fat bald head. You know what? You should grow a comb over and hide that Gerber baby patch of hair you got on top. Detective Madison's like, hey there, boy, what are you talking about? I got Lux like Samson that go on for days. I'm not losing my hair. You're an asshole. Also, what do you know about a stolen dog around here, Pally? I didn't come in here to get shit about my receding hairline. You know, I used to have a dog that oddly enough looked just like this dog until some asshole stole it outside a bodega. Can you imagine the sorry son of a bitch who would steal a man's dog like that? And Sidney Lassick all but goes, He's probably some fat asshole who looks nothing just like me. I bet he's not wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Nobody wearing a Hawaiian shirt would ever steal a dog. Anyway, good luck with this other dog and sorry about your big bald head. Thanks there, Betty. And then Madison's beeper goes off. And as he's leaving, Sidney Lassett gives him the guiltiest stare that has ever been captured on film. I like all of this stuff. I think this is a genuinely pretty good movie. One thing that's surprising about this movie is that Detective Madison buys a dog, and normally in a movie, when a character buys a dog, you're more sympathetic towards them. As this movie goes on, his character is less and less sympathetic. Like, he becomes more of an asshole. Yeah. And in fact, as you see how he is as a dog owner, I really disliked him to degrees I did not anticipate. Yeah, on the back end of this movie, he does some things that you're like, just because you're telling people that you're an asshole doesn't make you less of an asshole. We cut to this water treatment plant where some workers are pulling out a severed arm from the water our lead investigator is detective madison and he says hey looks like a working man's hands let's uh take this down to the lab for some tests or lab stuff uh anybody got any other clues and this fat guy in a white lab coat who i'm guessing is like the water treatment plant lead science guy he looks like a bloated james lipton he comes over and he says yes they found the Hasalapsa, floating near the same tank. One time we found a toe floating in the tank, but we figured out who it was. They even had a funeral for him. And when he died, what word do you think God said to him? I like that Madison says, buried him with only a toe, huh? Must have been a small casket. Yeah, John Sale's screenplay tosses in some jokes here and there that are pretty good. This sort of like 
toe casket funeral joke. It's okay, but the movie's trying. Look, it's more, we're coming off of Grizzly, which has all kinds of charm, but it steps on its own dick a lot too. (laughs) And it's nice to be in the hands of filmmakers that are like, yeah, it's kind of a dumb joke, but you know, we're all here to have a good time. So you just got to roll with it. Some beat cop comes in and he screams out, Detective Madison! Detective Madison! Are you Detective Madison? Chief wants to see Detective Madison outside. They got a lady. What owns the dog? So we cut outside and Detective Madison is walking with the chief of police as played by Michael Gazzo. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Gazzo, maybe. Who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Frankie Five Fingers in Godfather 2, but he lost to Robert De Niro for his performance in the same movie. Mm -hmm. Well-deserved a loss. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, Robert De Niro, Bobby D in Godfather 2 is pretty much top of the they came to they came to Gaza like you want the good news or the bad news? What is it? Well, you got nominated for Academy Award. That's great. Uh, well, you're gonna lose to De Niro. Oh, Bobby, I hate that son of a bitch. Why is he always gotta come in here and step on my dick? What does he think this is, Grizzly? So this dude grabs onto Madison as soon as he appears. He's like, hey, you're not going to believe this, Madison. Three Lhasa Apsos registered in the whole state. And we found one of them, except it's bigger than shit. Sure enough, there is a lady there staring at this big ass dog puppet uh-huh which i love and she says yeah this looks like my dog it's got all the same markings and everything but it can't be because it's giant madison says are you trying to tell me that two months ago this giant ass dog fit into that little dog sweater hmm something is fishy and it ain't the toes yeah detective madison he hones in that something ain't right he's a pretty good detective there Bo. he's the kind of detective that batman hopes to be someday <laughs> We cut to the streets of Shelbyville, USA, where pet store owner Sidney Lassick is cruising around looking for random dogs to abduct. And he sees some mutt out taking a stroll just down the street and he nabs this dog. And unfortunately, the dog was not taking a shit out in public, which would have just made my day. And this nervous pet store owner then takes all these animals that he's picked up off the side of the road and he delivers them to Slade Pharmaceutical. This dude in a lab coat our evil scientist we'll call him is this younger guy who's like i need puppies more and more puppies Sidney Lassick is like, oh boy, there was a cop in the store today and I'm really getting nervous stealing all these dogs here. I mean, maybe we should just lay low for a little while. What? I said puppies. <laughs> it is one of the most monstrous requests. It's like Cruella DeVille stepped into the movie and was just like, mm, how can we murder more puppies? We come back on the city streets and Detective Madison, he walks over to this open manhole where some guy named alan is down below quite possibly being stalked by an alligator and detective madison says hey there boyo uh are you a friend of edward norton his time card said he was punched out last week at three o'clock but his wallet keys clothes photos a couple of unused condoms and some pictures of his kids that he loved more than anything else in the world kind of ironically there was also a book a farewell to arms was there as well uh, you know anything about this guy uh- uh, well, I punched him out. You don't think anything happened to him, do you? <laughs> I also, I have to 
tip my hat to this really dumb honeymooners joke in the middle of this movie. Really? All right. Look, man, I find stuff like this where the writers are just like, fuck it, let's just make this guy Ed Norton so that when you're watching this movie secretly in the back of your head, you're thinking, Norton? Whenever I think about Ed Norton, I think about Art Carney talking with Jackie Gleason about their respective jobs and that Jackie Gleason was a bus driver on that show and Art Carney as Ed Norton was a sewer worker and that he said that Ralph Cramden, he got people where they needed to go and that ed norton got them after they went <laughs> it's kind of a good joke <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great joke <laughs> um, if you want to throw a dumb honeymooners joke into your alligator movie uh-huh. i'm totally down with that like have a good time with this it shows that the filmmakers aren't taking this totally seriously yeah and that's what you want out of this movie i think this dude says yeah the last time i saw my buddy norton we were opening up this old section of the sewer that had been collapsed it's near the drug works he calls it is that what you call a pharmaceutical company the drug works yeah well in the 1970s we'd only had drugs for eight years chad so any company that makes anything you just put the works at the end of it so if you make tires it's the tire works that's right if they make sex toys they're the dildo works I'm going to get a job at the Dildo Works. That's where my pap worked for 30 years, and that's where his pap worked during the Great War. Why, the Dildo Factory is what kept this town afloat during the Vietnam War. It's my time to take my place on the Dildo Assembly Line. Start making dildos for people. You know, I might make the first dildo that goes to Mars. Dare to dream, son. Dare to dream. Why, (laughs) when we first started this company back in 1807, all the dildos were made of wood. Not after all of the splinter lawsuits. You had to shut down. I read your biography, sir. Well, then you'll know that I hate it when I'm interrupted. Dildos and dildotes. The life and times of a dildo magnate. Now you see it, now you don't. Dildos in America. Anybody out there that needs a ghostwriter for your life story as a provocateur of dildos and all things sex toy related, reach out to Bo and I. We can help you out. I write exclusively, I ghostwrite biographies that involve dildo manufacturing. <laughs> Even if you've never worked a day in your life as a dildo manufacturer, as your ghostwriter, <laughs> I will present you to the world <laughs> as one of the finest in the field. So if you've ever wanted to totally reinvent yourself, I'm very reasonable. Detective Madison realizes that Edward Norton is our dead guy, and it's his arm that was found in the waterworks. We cut to the pet store where Sidney Lasik, our dog-napping hobbyist, is headed into a concrete water drainage system, pushing a shopping cart filled with large black garbage bags, each one filled to the top with the remains of butchered puppies. (laughs) That's right. Drug-tested butchered puppies, Chad. They were injected with hormones that made them super big, then dumped into the sewers by... Sydney Lassick at all as he starts tossing these bags full of puppies into the water we see Ramon open his eyes and like oh what is this dinner time already oh you spoiled me I did not call room service but um you know if you deliver a pizza to my house I will certainly partake <laughs> I've heard of doggy bags but this is ridiculous <laughs> 
<laughs> so pet store owner and amateur dog corpse tosser Sidney Lassick, he's chucking these sacks of dead canines down into the sewer and then one of them lands on a ledge with a kathunk so Sidney Lassick not wanting to let the cat or in this case the dog out of the bag he decides to climb down into the sewer system to kick the dog off the ledge into the water with all of the other rotten dog carcasses that he successfully (laughs) pitched into this filthy pool of disease Right, it's a real, oh, I don't want anyone to find any of these dogs. Ramon's eyes roll back and he's like, hello, I see you, fat man. And Ramon is, how do you say, into thick men. Oh, look at this big piece of beef. It's Ramon's lucky day. After dining on hot dogs, it's time for the beef. <laughs> so, pet store owner Sidney Lassick, he doesn't really have an exit strategy on how he climbed down into this sewer, alligator or not. Once he's down there, he doesn't really have a way back up. There's no steps or a ladder or rope. He kicks the dead dog into the water. And then Ramon the alligator comes over and says, A surprise, it is me, Ramon, and I am going to eat you. Yeah. He kills Sidney Lassick and he leaves his leg from the knee down, which has this calf high black sock and a loafer attached to the foot. An alligator loafer, uh, we will learn, Chad. So, yeah, immediately cut back to the water treatment plant where the creepy guy is there again who talked about the, the toe earlier. Fat James Lipton. And he says, you know, if we get any more parts out here, I can start selling them for spares. <laughs> Defective Madison, let me ask you a question. What is your favorite word? It's back off, Pally. By the way, I just detected that this is not the same owner as the arm that we found. He cut his nails round. Detective Madison, what is your favorite sound? It's the sound of me punching you in the face. It's a meaty sound. It arouses me. Detective Madison, what turns you on? See above re me hitting your face and the resulting smacking sound. Detective Madison, what turns you off? Honestly, rude people. I know I was directing all of this at you previously, but I'm into it. Detective Madison, what profession other than detective would you like to perform? Oh, I think a painter. I've always enjoyed color. And Detective Madison, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hmm. I think it would be, take off the badge, Pally. The next beer's on me. Detective Madison... Thank you very much. Let's take some questions from the studio audience. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, the leg you found in the water. Was that from the same guy that b- belonged to the arm earlier in the movie? No, it turned out the nails were cut different. I'm that good a detective. Yeah, you said that earlier, but I thought you were just making shit up. <laughs> nope, not until later in the movie. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> And so we also see that a dude, uh, like, has got a giant pool skimmer kind of thing, uh-huh. and he pulls up Sidney Lassick's loud-ass Hawaiian shirt out of the water. The forensics guy, James Lipton, once more says, by the way, we also found cat litter in his sock. He must have been quite a cat enthusiast. That sounds like it might be a clue, cat litter in his sock. I'll try to remember that, but I'll probably forget. So, the Hawaiian shirt, that terrible shoe that I saw, and also the cat litter. 
I am starting to think things are adding up. Madison goes to our evil scientist in the lab, uh-huh. and he's like, So, Pelly, do you happen to know a pet store owner named Sidney Lessick? No, uh, no, 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 no. We we breed all of our own dogs here, and then we butcher them in unspeakable ways by hand. It's all on, it's all on the up and up. See, we we never buy dogs from a balding fat pet store owner who wears knee high black socks, alligator loafers, and a Hawaiian shirt. I've never even heard of such a ridiculous thing. Look over there. Oh, why your finger is pointing at an interesting spot on the wall. Let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions to your tales of butchery. (laughs) Okay, I have nothing to hide. What happens when you run out of dogs? Well, we we just make a call to the dog delivery service that we own. Uh Uh-huh. And it doesn't involve a balding fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. Damn, damn. First of all, there is only one pet delivery service in town. It is called Scoober, after the famous detective dog. So, let me ask you one further question. Yeah. Is it possible for a Lhasa Apso to double its size in only two months? Um, how much are you feeding it, and how much exercise does it get? What I mean to say is, of course not. Uh-huh. And could any of these dogs here in the lab, could they get out? No. Not only could they not get out, they also can't bark because when they come in, I slit their throats to prevent their vocal cords from working. I have said too much. That is honestly the most horrifying thing I've heard. And I saw my partner die in front of me. That is worse. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, it's a passion of mine. Torturing puppies. What can I say? I'm evil. Listen, I know many of you at home are thinking, this man, he is very bad. Don't worry. Ramon will take care of him. (laughs) So we cut to the head office of Slade Pharmaceuticals, where we get to meet old man Slade himself. He's this bald old asshole, and he's talking to our lead weird scientist. And Slade says, don't worry about a thing. You know, you got caught with your pants down. Look, I'll put on a fix with the police and the mayor. Don't talk to reporters and get back to your chemistry set and your Puppy butchering. I'll take care of everything. Yes, sir. And he kind of scurries off back to his lab. Uh, (laughs) Madison is getting a tongue lashing from the chief, though. Ah, you look like shit. What do you do? You coming in late to work? You look like your wife left you and you're not even married. And Madison starts taking off his sweatshirt and putting on a dress shirt. He's like changing clothes as he walks down the hall. It's all very uncomfortable. And he makes his way into a press conference that is being attended by no less than 30 reporters and cameramen. The dead guy in the sewer apparently is the lead story in Nowheresville, USA, the setting of our movie. Sure. And at the press conference, Detective Madison says, hey, look, we've identified the dead guy as Edward Norton, the guy from the honeymooners next question uh yeah uh is it true detective madison oh geez here we go with this guy all right what that the bodies were found 
dismembered are you asking me if they're murdered you think we have clues or leads look i haven't done anything all right i haven't even started really working on this case i got a sock full of cat litter that's about as far as i got Mm -hmm. cat litter cat litter Mm -hmm. um were there any similarities between these murders which murders are you talking about (laughs) i do like that madison when pressed when he's like Yes, the bodies were dismembered. And then the guy's like, yeah, are there any similarities? And he just repeats, the bodies were dismembered. One reporter yells out, could we have a Jack the Ripper type killer in our city? You know what? I'm going to take your immediate lack of response as a confirmation that we have a serial killer stalking the women and children of our once peaceful little town. Can I quote you on that, Detective Madison? And then Gazzo chimes in. We have nothing to say about these cases, all right? We need to go get some more, what what the hell is that called? Evidence? You know, to solve these murders? They're not murders. They're just dead people dismembered in a very peaceful and natural fashion the way God intended, all right? There's a real good chance they just fell apart like Lego people. About this time, this one reporter named Kemp from OAN or Newsmax or something, he chimes in, uh... Unrelating to anything being discussed, aren't you the same Detective David Madison whose partner was killed in the Hotel Baldwin incident in St. Louis? I believe in that case your partner was stabbed to death. You need to get your facts straight, Pally. He was shot to death. Detective, aren't bullets nothing more than tiny, handleless knives being thrown at a high rate of speed by an invisible hand out of a gun? I'm about to throw some very visible knuckles at your face, Pally. (laughs) Detective Madison, he's done with it, and he's like, hey, look, boyo, no further questions. This press conference is over. And he and the chief head back into headquarters, and the chief says, Madison, I can't let the ball an old town to get you down. I'm like, five years ago. And it wasn't even your fault. Almost nobody blames you for your partner's death. I mean, well, besides internal affairs and your partner's wife and me, and from the look on their face, you, but, you know, other than that, nobody even wakes up screaming at night thinking about how you fucked up and now your partner's dead. Nobody ever sees his bleeding face on the faces of others. It's, it's fine. There's some nice headline <laughs> shots here where we see like spinning papers and people pulling them out of racks and uh-huh. stuff. My personal favorite is Cop Seek Sewer Psycho. Police investigate second slaying. Mm-hmm. More remains found under city. And my favorite newspaper on the stands is The National Probe, which really sounds like an independent underground newspaper. The kind that's got those really good personal ads and those misconnections that are clearly perverted. Yeah, the the personal ads that are like seeking someone who enjoys raw turkey and lube. I'm thinking like a misconnection. At the McDonald's on Highway 441, your feet look like they smelled so terrible. (laughs) Call me. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) i saw you picking at that scab call me (laughs) detective madison he changes back into his comfortable gray sweatshirt and black members only jacket he heads into police headquarters he says so uh look guys i need somebody to go down into the sewers with me today how about you over there dead meat huh fitzpatrick i heard your wife's getting ready to have twins you want to go with me no all right what about you briggs huh you're three days away from retirement i thought uh maybe you might want to go with me considering you just bought your dream fishing boat nope ah damn hey who wants to go down in the sewers to look for something what keeps killing people in this city that has no name and there's this straw-haired kid named kelly uh-huh f- with tobacco pouch in hand uh-huh. he's like i'll go with you but i need some booch 
I just shine me shoes. I don't want to go down and get them dirty. Ha cha 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 cha. So Madison takes him down to like requisition some gas masks and stuff, and we get some exposition here delivered r- relatively well about how hey, down in the sewers there are these methane pockets, and you need the masks for that, and also uh-huh. they're explosive, so don't go smoking down there neither. Also, this is another return as the requisition guy is handing over all this stuff. It's a return of the gag where he's like. Hey, I see what you're doing here. Are you going to a barber? Are you going to somebody professional to take care of this balding thing? Boyo, what are you talking about? Look at my hair, all right? I look like a Hasselhoff. At least a Hassel. <laughs> and as they're heading out to the sewers, this disheveled dude with layers of coats on and a toboggan comes rolling into the station. Yeah. Initially, he's saying, hey, I'm the one who killed the guy that you found in the sewer. And the desk cop is like, oh boy, yeah, you need to tell it to this guy over here. And the guy says, oh no, I didn't come to confess. I came to kill all of you. Officer Kelly reaches for his gun immediately. Yeah. And he's like, ha-cha-cha, Madison, this guy's lying. That's not a real bomb. It's me third day on the force and I've not killed anybody yet. This is exactly why I became a police officer, to shoot mentally ill people. That and all of the other stuff, you know, about protecting and serving the public, but mostly to shoot mentally ill people just like this asshole. I had to shoot a hole in me wall the other night just to hear the gun go off. I hadn't heard it in weeks. And when it did, I got an erection. And a really good one. You know, I'm talking about hard as a brick. I'm talking freshman year college kind of hard on. This whole scene could honestly be more dramatic and suspenseful in the hands of your Richard Donners. But here it kind of fizzles out, kind of like the final act of an episode of Chips. It doesn't really go anywhere other than to show that these police officers have no real training on how to deal with a guy who has a bomb strapped to his chest they grab it and it turns out it's just like a clock and it's not attached to anything i did like that the dialogue between the police officers are like hey look for a button to turn this thing off and they're like what's this do if i flip it and they're just like clickety clacking this thing right it is just in fact a clock i do like the tail end of this where there's a dude sloan from earlier in the scene that he was asking for people to come down into the sewers sloan was like oh man i got too much paperwork to do on the way out of the scene Madison says, hey, Sloan with the paperwork, come book this guy. Here's a little more paperwork for you. (laughs) It's a real fuck you to that dude that I really appreciate. We cut down into the sewers where Detective Madison and Officer Kelly, they're making their way into the sewers looking for someone, Bo or something that's killing all of the good citizens of somewheresville usa detective madison and officer kelly they're tromping around in the sewer water and officer kelly says so i heard that you killed your partner and detective madison he changes the subject real quick yeah you can tell that madison likes him though because he he says if i'm so unlucky pally how come you're down here with me oh i figure i can take care of myself I kind of like this cocky kid. As they're exploring, they get kind of lost because it's this old sewer system with pipes that are hundreds of years old at this point. There's also a repetition here because audiences can be stupid sometimes, Chad, where Madison is like, hey, let me tell you a little story about methane. Maybe it'll come up again later. (laughs) 
It turns out when I was in St. Louis, somebody flicked a bick around a methane pocket. Ah, was it your partner? Is that how he died? And were you the one who flicked the bick? Is that how you blew him up and killed him? I heard you killed your partner. And that's what's making your hair fall out, by the way. I don't know how many times I have to tell people in this town he was shot to death, not blown up with methane. Ah, well, I figured the explosion could have happened over near an ammunition factory. When it blew up, all of the bullets came out and went through his body. Maybe one of them grazed your head and scared you so bad that's what's making you go bald. How about I just throw some bricks in the water? If that's what makes you feel better, boy And so as he's <laughs> fucking around a little bit, Ramon sees and hears this splash. Hello, I hear someone is coming down into my sewer. Perhaps it is lunch? You know, I normally don't go for Irish food, but I think I might make an exception. Kelly, by the way, just stops answering Madison at a certain point. So Madison starts looking around for him. Hey, boyo. Hey, where'd you go? You were here a minute ago. Pippet. Pippet. And there's some music that might make you think a little bit of Jaws, Chad. The camera starts to come up on him. There's the hunt, 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 hunt. I mean, it's really pretty on the nose. This not Jaws music plays. And then Kelly comes up behind him and is just like, hey, how about a little grab ass for you? Gives him a goose. It's some real hilarious sexual assault. I mean, he puts like four fingers up Madison's ass crack and just gets hold of his butt cheek. Oh, I'm going to work your sphincter like a puppet. Come on, sing and dance like howdy doody on the end of my arm. It is impossible for me to imagine grabbing anyone's ass, let alone anyone I work with, let alone anyone who has a job title above my own at work. But I guess if you're with the detective that you know is kind of, you know, his his name is Mud on the Force, that you can kind of get away with this shit. It's like the old dude at work that has been working the same job for too long and just doesn't give a shit anymore. And it's like, I can say anything to him. I'm not grabbing that guy's ass, though. That's where you and I differ, Chet. I will grab any any co-worker's ass given the opportunity. Just how I live my life. Madison and Kelly, they wander around the sewer some more, and they stop to look at the schematics to kind of get their bearings. And while they're looking around, there's actually a pretty good shot where their flashlights quickly scan across the background behind them and we as the audience get to see ramon hello all too briefly in the shadows on the ledge behind yeah him. it's great it's a fantastic shot it's really a good shot like oh shit he's about to eat <laughs> these two and yeah. uh, ramon's up there and he's like hello it is me ramon i am here but you cannot see me perhaps you both might die maybe just one of you you know i might sneak up nibble a little bit leave a leg leave an arm that is my calling card i'm an oversized alligator after all it is what i do best how did i get away up here don't worry baby ramon can get around ramon has his secrets as they're making their way out of the sewers to go get help there they found enough evidence that they're like something's down here we need to get some actual people down here to look at this and ramon shows up and whips Kelly with his tail, sends him flying. Feel the wrath of my oversized tail, ha <laughs> ha! Oh. You thought I was behind you, but I am over here. I am Ramon. You know the expression, pigs will fly? <laughs> Ramon cracks Ramon up. Kelly gets smacked pretty good. He yeah. goes through the air, he's like, ha 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 ha
Kersplash. Oh, he hit me right into potatoes. Detective Madison and Officer Kelly, they get up and they run through the poo and pee water of the sewer as Ramon the alligator follows in low speed alligator fashion. And the music here feels a lot like John Carpenter's Halloween. It's a kind of a knockoff with that staccato style synthetic late 70s, early 80s synthesizer music. It's awesome. Yeah. Madison and Kelly, they make their way over to this pipe with a ladder that leads leads up to street level kind of like something you'd see in a super mario game detective madison he goes up first you know because he's detective and uh he's got a higher rank and he gets up to the top and there's a manhole cover that is immovable and down below kelly is just screaming out hi cha 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 and just for the record officer kelly in this movie does not have an accent like this not at all we're just having fun no he doesn't sound like a leprechaun he's like a california beach bum anyway so officer kelly says he's like open the hatch this alligator's a grunt to grab me gold and then ramon the alligator shows up and he's like hello it is me ramon i would like to introduce you to my jaws of steel a chomp a chomp a chomp and detective madison for the second time in his career has to see one of his partners killed in the line of duty in this case the word duty is a homophone as officer kelly is killed while doing his job d-u-t-y while also being killed and shitting his pants d-o-o-d-i-e well played um madison then wakes up in the hospital immediately after seeing poor kelly dragged off to his presumed death by alligator when he wakes up there's this nurse there he's like oh good you're finally awake you know you just popped out of a manhole and started yelling alligator she says to him there you are and i was like did she lose him in the covers does she suffer from motion blindness like a t-rex in jurassic park what does that mean she has no object permanence where did he go oh he like hides his own eyes and she's like, oh my God, where'd he go? So uh, he's like, oh, I, w- where's my partner? And immediately is like, I got to get dressed and get out of here. Then the chief shows up and tells him, there's not even a sign of Kelly anywhere, especially not a sign of you know what, which, you know, is code for alligator Chad. Sure. And in fact, they want to give some more tests to Madison. Uh-huh. And he's like, what kind of test do you need me to take? Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> he says, you know, just some side tests. Nothing big. Just a doctor wants to make sure that your head hasn't turned to tapioca. He's going to see how many times he can tug on your dick until something happens. I got to tell you, the doctor's a prostitute friend of mine. I just, I heard it was your birthday. I wanted to cheer you up. But also, he's going to ask you some, he's going to give you the tug, but he's also going to ask you some questions. About this time, that asshole reporter Kemp from Newsmax shows up. Smoking, smoking in the, in the hospital room, Chad. Just lights up. Hello, reporter Kemp reporting for duty. Love it. Kemp is played by Bart Braverman. I'm sure that was his God-given name. And he was on that TV show Vegas back in the 70s. So look, his career is on the downslide here. And for those of you who don't know what this guy looks like, imagine if a ventriloquist dummy grew up to be adult-sized and consistently never got enough sleep. What if you took M. Night Shyamalan Uh by his head and his feet and somehow simultaneously stretched him and made him shorter both of those work kemp looks over at madison and he says so i hear you lost another partner like the one in st louis so what happened down in the sewers madison 
And Detective Madison says, hey, boyo, look, that's what we got to go figure out. Isn't that right, uh, Chief? And the Chief says, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. And so cut to herpetologist and co-star of the movie, pretty lady Dr. Marissa Kendall. Yeah. Who is like, look, there is no fucking way there's a 15-foot alligator in that sewer. You have got shit in your head. Also, in any Jaws ripoff, you gotta have some sort of science nerd to be the specialist about the thing what's trying to eat everybody. Right. Then that's Dr. Marissa Kendall. Okay. And so it's basically her just telling them there's no way this could be a giant alligator in the sewers. It's just impossible. There's no way. They don't even grow that big in the zoos, let alone in a sewer. It couldn't survive. And I would know this. I'm wearing a lab coat. I am a doctor. Uh huh. What about this book here? It seems more agreeable than you. Can I take this with me and get away from you? Sure. You can take that book. You should read it from cover to cover. And when you finish it, look at the back asshole. I'll do it in that order. And then he takes off, but the chief kind of lingers for a second. Doctor, could there be another animal that's out in the sewer, you know? Maybe something like a bear or a shark? I'm sorry, no. There is absolutely no way. I saw a movie all right, a few years ago about a giant bear. And there's uh-huh. another shark movie. You said they couldn't be running around in the sewer trying to eat no. people. No, no bears, no alligators, nothing. It, it It's a sewer. You can't live in there. Nothing can. What about a beaver? Like an oversized beaver or something like that. That's a People? different ecosystem entirely. A beaver would not have its natural food source. A Yeti? Bigfoot? Something like that? It's the 70s? Uh, Loch Ness? Maybe Look, UFO? What, I just, I'm trying to figure out what's going honestly, on. Honestly, the description is nothing like a Sasquatch. I thought that too, but it's just not close. What about a Dairy Queen? Could a Dairy Queen be in the sewers trying to kill everybody? The delicious treats? That's impossible, but I could go for a blizzard now that you mention it. Chief Gargles and Detective Madison, they hop in the car and they're riding around discussing how useless it was to stop and talk to Dr. Marissa Kendall. There's a great line that the chief has here when they're debating this meeting. Madison says, well, that was a total waste of time and she was a nerd. The chief says, I didn't say she was normal. I said she had the word on alligators. And I I wish everyone talked like that all the time, Chad. Listen up here, Chiefo. We got to get down in that sewer and kill what's down there killing my partners, all right? I don't care if we got to lose a 100 officers. We got to stop this thing. And then Chief Gargles, he tosses uh, Detective Madison a newspaper where the lead story is, Detective Madison lets inexperienced officer die in sewer. Possible murder by local cop? He's like, hey, hey, whoa, boy, oh, what is this? Cut to everyone at the police station reading this article out loud. Actually, one guy's reading it out loud and everyone else is gathered around like it's story time in the locker room. It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But what I like about this is Madison comes in, they stop. Madison's like, all right, I get that you guys are reading this article. I'm just going to get my things and leave. And he opens his locker and inside somebody is hung like a rubber alligator that he just snatches off and he's like bingo bango gator in the locker classic well i'm leaving and as soon as he walks out the door they just go back to reading the article out loud again which i really enjoy madison is such a sad sack cop in this movie it's hard to be on his side he's like a william h macy character 
<laughs> right. He, he's a little bit like the character from Magnolia, only he never had the boyhood stardom. So it's just a sad dude. He's like the cooler. In the world of this movie, if they did the David Madison story, <laughs> Bill Macy should play David Madison. <laughs> Jeez, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just I'm just trying to get my shit together. I, I got this new dog. I can't really. I, I'm just all, all a mess. And now there are body parts showing up in the sewer. I mean, I, how am I supposed to deal with all this? We come back to the hospital where the reporter... Kelly, he's breaking multiple HIPAA laws by grilling this nutjob nurse about Detective Madison's medical condition. And this all ends with the nurse saying, you know, he kept waking up and screaming about alligators in the sewers. And Kelly says, alligators in the sewers. We cut away from that scene where Cracker Jack reporter Kelly, he's now down in the sewers where he finds a boot on the ground and he immediately picks it up and repositions it so he can take a couple of photos with this oversized camera and Dude, I wouldn't touch anything in the sewer. I, I wouldn't be in the sewer because that's where shit and piss and all kinds of other nasty funk is. Well, he's a muckraking yellow journalist, Chad. He's this is where he belongs. I hear that. Like Ramon in this movie is the great equalizer. Like other than Kelly, everyone else kind of deserves it. Yeah. Ramon shows up. Hello, my friend. It is time for Ramon to do what he does best. Dine on the foolish and maintain his dominance in the filth-filled waters of uh, the sewers. Oh, do I see a camera? Let me make sure Ramon gives you his good side. Who am I kidding? They're all good sides. <laughs> Ramon makes his way over to Kelly. And with a rapid succession of flashes from the camera, we see Kelly get eaten immediately by Ramon the Alligator. I didn't mention this in the opening of the movie, but Ramon the Alligator was played in part by Kane Hodder, who would later go on to play Jason Voorhees in multiple Friday the 13th movies. Huh, all right. We get some Jaws ripoff moments where Detective Madison is flipping through this book all about alligators, the one that he stole from the good doctor earlier in the movie. And since Detective Madison doesn't wear glasses, we do not see the images of the alligator attacks reflected against his eyes. But we do see illustrations of an alligator eating wolf cubs and alligators hanging out by ponds. Detective Madison closes the book and on the back cover, he sees that it is Dr. Marissa Kim. And he gives it a real, oh, what? She's smart and she wrote a book? You gotta be kidding me. She's a woman. Boy, she was right. That last page was a doozy. I also like that his dog has its head fully stuck in an old carton of Chinese food the entire scene. Well, I guess the law of nature will dictate whether or not the puppy gets out of that. The phone rings and the caller tells Detective Madison that reporter Kelly got eaten by an alligator and all that was left was his camera and a bunch of incriminating photos. So they developed the film and it's full of some of the best up-close photography of an alligator I've ever seen, Bo. I also appreciate that this movie does not fuck around time-wise. In very short order, it's like, okay, the reporter learned Learns about this, goes to the sewers, gets eaten, takes the pictures. The pictures are developed. Now they're they're looking at them all in the space of like five minutes. This movie is a cool 90 minutes and it moves along at a pretty good clip. Immediately they're like, well, it turns out it is an alligator. I believe someone in this department bearing a striking resemblance to me might have mentioned an alligator in the sewers. 
Well, on my tour of telling people to suck it, let's go back to the herpetologist. So they go back to Kendall and just show her the pictures. And he's like, so, doctor, you're the expert. What is this a picture of? (laughs) She's like, oh, alligator. He's like, that's right. Turns out Detective Madison was detecting on all cylinders. (laughs) But she uh, holds her ground on one field where he's like, so what do you think about this 15 feet? And she's like, all right, all right, that's bullshit. That part's absolutely this is an alligator. No, No way it's 15 feet long. They cut from that to him just laying in bed going over the map of the sewer lines. This is where he looks at this little rubber alligator and he's like, where are you? Well, not you. You're a little rubber representation of the thing I'm looking for. Did you notice on the walls of his apartment are all of these prints of nude women and one of them was by an artist named Ramon Santiago? Yeah, I did. And I looked up that guy's art and it's really good. Chad involves a lot of naked breasts. I mean, it's art, Chad. Doesn't mean you can't jerk off to it. Have you ever seen that, David? So Detective Madison, he's marking up this map, and he's coming up with a plan to get the alligator down in the sewers. So we cut over to the city streets where there's like 150 cops, all armed and ready to go underground to kill this gator. The SWAT team's there, Coast Guard, ambulances. A dude has a bazooka in case of bears. Oh my God. That was the best, which I was like, oh, they're going to blow up this alligator with a rocket launcher. Andrew Prine shows up long enough to be like, calm down now, son. Can't kill it with a a rocket launcher. We already did that. Break it up now, boys. Unless y'all or anybody but the people behind the movie Jaws, we're going to sue you. All right? That's just how it's going to work, son. The only people that can't be sued is Peter Benchley and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Let me tell you, boy, something. Gator is open season. Burt Reynolds also has a case. <laughs> so a bunch of officers go down into the sewer and they try to flush Ramon out of a single exit. It's just Operation One Man Band, where it's a bunch of assholes with pots and pans banging on them. Dr. Marissa Kendall shows up and she's like, I gotta tell you, this is pretty amazing. I'm an alligator expert expert did you read my book gator deforce my life is a female alligator expert anyway i think banging trash can lids together and pots and pans with spoons is a great way to spook an alligator out of the sewers nobody much cares what you think mrs can't be 15 feet and there's no way there's an alligator in these sewers all these cops are banging around it looks like the warriors are trying to make their way back to coney island and then (laughs) can you dig it (laughs) all this clanging and banging goes on in the sewers and they're making their way towards the exit while this is happening dr marissa kendall she's hanging out at the craft services table eating danishes and sipping coffee and she's making goo goo eyes at detective madison who's running this whole operation that's really about as well conceived as ray stance's get them attacking ghostbusters this little piece of trivia here that dr kendall drops that creates this unnecessary tie to Uh the beginning of the movie is also one of my favorite things in the movie yeah she walks over to detective madison who's paying zero attention to any of the words coming out of her mouth and she essentially says you know 
When I was a child earlier in this movie, my mother bought me an alligator in Florida, and then my dad found it dead, and he, I don't know, like, he took it to a farm so it could live the rest of its dead life or something, and... Um, uh-huh. I, I am wondering if we shouldn't be using bigger pots. So anyway, I named him Ramon, and I told him, someday you're going to grow up big and strong, and you're just going to, you're going to eat all kinds of things. Wait, wait, are you dating someone named ramon no it was the name of a baby alligator i had when i the one when i was telling you when i was a little girl all right i'm going to tune out again that's okay so i came home and my dad had taken ramon who he said was dead but i don't think that he was dead but you're so handsome and you're are you married i'm not married i'm 26 but that seems old does that seem old to you all my friends are married they have kids and i've been thinking about i would like to have kids would you like to have kids do you have a pension as a detective Uh Uh-oh, it looks like somebody is coming out of that tunnel. Oh, is it a preacher? Do you think he has a Bible and he'd want to marry two people that just met and fell in love like you and me, maybe? No, it's Jerry, not an alligator. (laughs) That is disappointing. (laughs) And yeah, sure enough, like a bunch of cops come out of the tunnel like, don't shoot us, as there is a line of armed police officers and maybe some National Guard aiming their guns at them. There is a moment that if you breathe deeply has a hint of Spielberg in it where you hear them clanging coming down the tunnels and then it goes silent. Yes, 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 yes. It's like, oh shit, something went down. And then as soon as you think that, these dickheads come walking out like, hey man, don't shoot us. We got no gators. And as soon as the chief sees these cops come around the corner, he's like, oh Jesus, oh boy, get in the car. We gotta get out of here. I'm not getting blamed blame for this. Also, the mayor who's running for re-election, we don't even know his name. It's like, mayor vote for me, shows up and he's like, hey, I'm the mayor. Uh, what's going on here? Can I get some votes? Did they eat voters? I need votes. I'm the mayor. So as Madison and the chief are hauling ass away from the scene of this uh, operation that's gone tits up, they run <laughs> into some kids playing some nighttime stickball. <laughs> In the city streets. Yeah. And I like that, first of all, there's this blonde-haired kid that's just like, up yours! He's wearing an I'm a Pepper t-shirt. Yes, he's a Pepper. And so the Pepper is like, you guys can go fuck yourselves! And and it takes the chief flashing the bubble light to get these kids to move, these fucking feral children. What did he just say to me? Did he just tell me to go fuck myself? I'm the chief of police, for Christ's sake! Yeah, get out of the car! Me and my boy here i'll show you so what's what we run this town <laughs> these kids are running loose it's a real <laughs> lords of the fly here in the suburbs of missouri it turns out ramon has been waiting for his chance to escape the sewers after all this noise it's a real fun like scaled down set where <laughs> the earth heaves for a second under the sewer uh-huh. and then it just opens up and out comes a normal sized alligator out of a tiny fake set uh, out of this tiny set which i really like i appreciate model work 
like this. And this shitty kid, the Pepper, is like, oh my god, an alligator, it's the one that we're talking about. So he takes off, runs up to his home, where his mother is on the phone with a beer in hand. Uh, Schlitz. And she's like, well, so I says to Janice, I says, Janice, wait a second, my boy's coming through. What's going on? What are you doing? <laughs> the Pepper runs over and grabs a butcher knife and heads back down to the street don't take my good knife fuck you mom yeah that's all you need to know about that family that's really (laughs) close to what happens in that scene and then he runs outside with the butcher knife but by the time he gets down there like cops are already coordinating off the scene well a cop car comes speeding around the corner flips over explodes into fire the patrol officer gets out and ramon is like hello it is me ramon i've come to the city and i'm going to eat some of you perhaps i will start with this police officer who is slightly incapacitated You know, I am feeling a little peckish, but I don't want to overdo it, so I think I'm just going to eat the leg. While he eats this cop, he rips off his leg and the pepper is just looking on like, this is going to psychologically scar me more than I already am. Everyone and their mother is now at this crime scene. I like how Ramon the alligator wanders down the street in typical slow alligator motion. Yeah. He ambles at best. He ain't racing nowhere. No, Ramon is just like, look, I will get there when I get there. The party waits for Ramon. Ramon does not rush. And yeah, and there's a nice overhead shot of this normal sized alligator walking between some model cars. That's real fun. When all the police show up to look for Ramon, Kendall is also there, the doctor. And she's like, hey, it's probably going to head for water. You think so? the alligator detective madison and dr kendall are talking to the pepper uh detective madison says hey boy oh look how big was the alligator i need you to tell her because you saw it right well you know how big an el dorado is uh yeah you mean the car of course i mean the fucking car you fucking idiot and the kid tells him yeah, it's fucking bigger than that you stupid piece of shit <laughs> why are you going bald you asshole what are you two gonna fuck later you bald motherfucker <laughs> Can you still get it up? Oh, boy. What's going on at home, Pally? You don't even want to know. Why don't you take this knife and put it to her throat? The thrill of almost killing a person will probably give you some sort of psychological erection. I'll give you all the money in my pocket, and it's more than you think, to go upstairs and shoot my mother. I guarantee you she's guilty of something. I'll help you plant some drugs. Jimmy, give me some heroin. Take it upstairs. Get high with my mom. This cop's going to come up and shoot her. Once she's dead, you can live with me. We'll start a band in a bar. We're going to call it Alice in Chains. The secret origin. Uh, the next day, Kendall <laughs> is taking a plaster print of this giant-ass alligator foot. And she's like, huh, I bet this thing is 30 or 40 feet long. And Madison is like, oh, you don't say giant alligator from the sewers huh i feel like i got that in one i'm not the kind of person to say i told you so but uh i enjoy hearing those words come out of your mouth sweetheart dr marissa kendall is giving him the most i was wrong fuck eyes that i've ever seen oh my god you're so smart oh my god why how are you so smart are you sure you're not a herpetologist too you're like batman only bald hey i'm working on it chief gargles and mayor vote for me 
they show up to introduce us to our movie's version of Quint, a guy named Brock, who is played by Henry Silva. So we're going to call him Henry Silva. We have not seen Mr. Henry Silva since season one of Pick 6 Movies when he was high on cocaine and getting shot off of a skyscraper by Mr. Burt Reynolds, Bo. <laughs> oh, those were the days, Chad. <laughs> when ninjas would fight on boats. In the state of Georgia and get shot with crossbows. No, with uh, harpoon guns, Chad. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, boy. The that memory movie. fades as you get older, Bo. That movie is a real something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So they bring in this guy, Brock Henry Silva. Meanwhile, in the background of this, Chad, cops are just tossing grenades <laughs> into the water. Dude, it's a small park pond. It's not a large body of water. <laughs> yeah, a couple of kids come floating up. Oh boy, that is going to be tough to explain. And there's a crowd of people just standing around looking, hoping to get eaten by an alligator. Chief Gargle says, we just send off charges. Right, we're going to try to bring the alligator up. And then our alligator killer, Henry Silva, says, it's a wild animal, not a submarine. And then Mayor Voferby says, I flew Henry Silva in to kill the alligator. He's killed large animals all over the world. I'll bet he could probably give me some votes. How about that guy? You think you can get him to vote for me? Go over there and see if he'll vote for me. If not, kill him. So what am I supposed to do while Mr. Big Game Hunter is looking for the alligator? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to see you white stains later. I'm out of here. Dr. Kendall sticks around long enough to say like, look, you guys, it's not Detective Madison's fault that Ramon is on the loose. And as soon as she stands up for, you know, her would-be boyfriend, Brock is like, well, hello. You are sure a pretty little thing, but you can go on back to your books now, little lady. He totally demeans her as a woman. He calls her pretty girl. Like, it's just reducing her to her physical attractiveness. Look, I know how upset that this will make many of you. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think you're going to enjoy my encounter with him in the alley. <laughs> Chief Gargle says, hey, look, she's Dr. Melanie Kendall, all right? She, she's the one what knows about alligators and snakes and lizards and, and such, all right? Alligator killer Henry Silva says, ah, yes, the lizard lady. Run along to your books. Let a man take care of things. He refuses to call her doctor. This Henry Silva, he's a real piece of work, Bo. Yeah, we follow Detective Madison away from the edge of this pond where grenades are being hurtled hither and yon, <laughs> where there's a crowd of people, some of whom are taking it upon themselves to make a few bucks off this whole situation. Yeah, they're selling t-shirts and stuffed gators, and one guy's like got a, a stolen grocery cart full of products that he's hawking to people. There's bumper stickers, one of them says... I survived the gator attack of whatever city I'm in in 1980. And one guy's got these rubber alligators. He calls him Alexander the Alligator. Uh -huh. He doesn't know his name's Ramon. Do, do you remember his little song here, Chad? Uh, I didn't write it down. See him shake, see him wiggle, take him home, make you giggle. <laughs> He's probably one of the guys who sells a dildo. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That was one of the first promotional spots for dildos was take him home, make you giggle. One pervert walks up with a shoebox in his 
his hand and says to Detective Madison as he passes, he's like, he's like, hey, this boy, you want to see something? And then this pervert opens the box. And I was so happy not to see his penis dressed up like an alligator. But instead, it's just a baby alligator in the box. Hey, plainclothes officers, come here and arrest this man. And when he's like, hey, what are you arresting me for? He says, for being a creep. Or, or peddling animals or whatever. Look, we're the cops, all right? We not only enforce the laws, we make them too, boyo. We get to alligator killer Henry Silva being interviewed on TV by this female reporter where alligator killer Henry Silva says, are we live on TV? We are. Oh, you know, you're very pretty, by the way, but that's not what we're here to talk about, sweetheart. We're here to talk about alligators and alligators. They respond to sound. They like it when people make noise, especially at night. You follow what I'm saying, sweetheart, making noises at night? Alligators talk to each other. They call each other. You know, you want me to get, would you like to give me your number so that maybe I could call you later at night and then maybe you and I could make noises at night? Wink, wink. When she asks him, are these alligators, did they make? mating sounds and he goes uh, 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 uh. your mama sure is some gator (laughs) (laughs) it is gross man like he is just exhaling on her and she's like oh my god you're so romantic we cut back to the science lab of dr marissa kendall and there's a bit of a tiff between detective madison and the accomplished dr marissa in that she wants to fuck him and he doesn't care well she takes a real like screw it i gotta work and that creep henry silva he's gonna shoot the alligator and then that'll be that and i'm gonna continue my research so he he talks her into it. he's like hey i've got some puzzle pieces and only you can help me make them fit also if you help me out i'll buy you an iguana she does say to him hey look in this microscope because i want to change the subject do you see how there's a pink circle and a blue circle well the blue circle is what made that asalopsa thasalopsa hasalopsa I can't ever say it. Hasalopsa, the little dog, the one that grew what great big. Well, that's what made it get real big were the blue circle. You know what? I'll bet those blue circles are what made that alligator so big too. Huh. So they've been feeding it lots of chemicals. Maybe Ramon will die of cancer. Which I, I, again, is a light I like. We cut to the city streets where a couple of police cruisers are just whipping around, lights flaring, sirens blasting. They almost run over this squatty little fella in a yellow t-shirt. And the patrol car stop and Chief Gargles gets out with Henry Silva. And they make their way down to this alley that's just full of garbage. And they find a giant pile of alligator shit. Stand back, everyone. This alligator leaves large spore. It has a fruity taste. He's been in the garbage. On the news, there are reports of alligator sightings, and all of the community is really starting to get a bit worried. So we cut to Ramon, the alligator, hanging out in this neighborhood swimming pool. Hello, it is me, Ramon. I am just getting a base 10. I've spent all of my life in the sewer. Now it is time for Ramon to live among the humans and leave the world of the chuds down below where they belong. It is Ramon's time to shine. It was nice to see Preacher coming to visit from time to time, but even <laughs> that wacky character cannot spruce up the sewers enough to dim the sunshine out here. It is quite something. I am very excited to swim among you, 
maybe eat some of you. I think we will get along quite well. We cut to Slave Pharmaceuticals, where that head research weirdo, he's taking a break from chopping up puppies, and he's injecting a cow with a bunch of the good blue stuff. Dr. Marissa Kendall is there along with the confused Detective Madison. The research weirdo says, look, there's a food shortage. If I can make a dog as big as an elephant, then we can make a cow as big as a tank, and then I could eat it after I chopped it up in messy fashion like you do a puppy. Plus, this blue gonk makes animals have an insatiable appetite and detective madison who really isn't paying attention he's just wandering around looking at pieces of paper and opening up drawers madison finally says hey there slade pharmaceuticals did they ever pay for any sasaslapsas or asalapsas you know the a little small dog that somehow grew to great big we immediately cut to old man slade who's on the phone with mayor vote for me and old man slade says mayor one of your detectives was here earlier talking about a jumbo sized dog corpse I need you to make this problem go away. Immediately, Madison goes to find the chief to, you know, tell him all about all the the fun stuff that they've been learning about the pharmaceutical company. As soon as the chief sees him, he says, I'm sorry, I gotta get your badge. Wait a second. What the hell just happened? Hey, you pushed too far. It's out of my hands. Well, uh, don't we have some sort of a police union around here? It seems a bit unconventional that you would just be able to- Hey, the mayor runs all the police unions. Uh, it's out of my hands. I don't really think it works that way. I mean, I pay my union dues and they protect me. You can't just fire me. It's Chinatown, Jake. I don't know. I can't tell you. It's out of my hands. <laughs> So Madison cleans out his locker, which is surprisingly empty. It's He's just a like- pair of underwear and a copy of Guns and Ammo. <laughs> That's literally the truth. He walks out of the headquarters and before he leaves, he goes into the evidence room, which is surprisingly unsecure. I'm probably going to need some supplies like this dynamite. He grabs four sticks of dynamite that are bound together with tape. One assumes for the upcoming case of State v. Coyote in the attempted <laughs> murder of a roadrunner. And he grabs the clock from the crazy guy that was threatening to blow up the joint early in our movie. I love the idea. Your Honor, will you read back the, the witness's last testimony to, to me, please? Meet me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's 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 what I thought. And then he disappeared in a cloud of dust. <laughs> but not before painting a door on that wall which the defendant then probably ran into. <laughs> Do you have any anything to say for yourself, uh, Mr. Coyote? I'm a super genius. <laughs> So, Detective Madison, he goes to see Dr. Melanie Kendall, and he just starts banging on a door where he's she's in there talking to a bunch of other research nerds. She comes out, and he's like, hey, there, uh, I got shit canned, all right? So, uh... I've had a couple of beers. And by a couple, I mean 12. I've spent the morning at Red's drinking nothing but rye and old Milwaukee. I feel like a million bucks. How many boys... <laughs> Hold on. How many boiler makers do you think I've had? Aim high. Also, I got a bag with four sticks of dynamite, and I'm a free citizen. You know what? Let's go kick that alligator's ass. You and me, sweetheart. Boy, that dynamite is sweating more than me in a wig shop. 
So that's what they decided to go do. These yeah. two head down into the sewers. Yeah, he does a really cool flip with his keys, though, when she's like, so what are you going to do? And he says, well, I've had enough booze. I'm going to go out there, find the alligator, and kick its ass. And then he flips the key- his car keys over his shoulder and catches it behind him. It's completely unnecessary, but I adored it. You know what? He's just showing off, which is an idiot's way of being interesting. Yeah, he's peacocking for a little bit. Because <laughs> now that she's given him all the signs, like the, the last neg sign for him was like, what if I just show up at her job and make her leave an important meeting? So we're back down in the sewers. <laughs> and Detective Madison, although he's not a detective anymore, he got fired he's he's down there with dr melanie kendall and we've also added a city worker who i'm guessing is here to be eaten by the alligator in the scene he's got a maybe my favorite line in the movie though Uh uh-huh whereas they're looking around dr marissa kendall says hey be on the lookout for any signs of an alligator and he says what do you mean like shoes luggage handbags It's pretty funny. She's like, no, a nest. He's like, oh, okay. Everybody starts rooting around in the sewer looking for clues or something. Dr. Marissa finds a dog collar, I guess, like wedged into said nest. And she tugs on it. And this dog corpse pops out. And it's a bit of a jump scare. Kind of like when Dreyfus was underwater rooting around on that boat trying to grab a shark tooth. Yeah. We cut to an outdoor garden party type setting where old man Slade's daughter is, as we will soon find out getting married to the research weirdo who likes to cut up puppies and eventually i'm assuming he's going to start cutting up people because this seems to be a predictable pattern and madison and kendall return to his place after having determined ramon will ultimately want to go back to his nest in the sewer so we have kind of a plan so they go to madison's place where his puppy who is named snaps Did he? Is hanging out because he has left this dog all alone and just opens up the fridge to feed him, I don't know, some (laughs) carrot straws or maybe some string cheese. He starts feeding his dog a half-empty can of corned beef hash from the fridge. (laughs) That's right. As soon as he opens the door, the dog runs over and he's like, hey, come here, you. And I'm like, dude, take your dog out so he can piss and shit. Exercise your animal. You're a terrible dog owner. Hell, Martin Riggs at least played fetch with his dog on the beach this guy's a monster and a creep what do you think the bathroom rug is for that is his pee spot in his kitchen he has newspaper all over the floor which means this apartment reeks of dog piss and all over the walls in addition to the ramon prints we saw earlier there are these other posters of just topless women framed and hanging yeah it's pretty great meanwhile dr marissa kendall is on the phone with her mother Uh uh-huh and saying like don't wait up mom i'm probably gonna fuck this guy her mom says honey it's a school night what about your homework this woman is a doctor for god's sake maybe her mom has alzheimer's and if that's the case she probably shouldn't be getting ready to fuck the dumbest gun in the west chad then we turn to the greatest scene in this film i'm gonna say second i think that the garden party <laughs> wedding is better but oh boy you know when you're making those kinds of decisions kimasabi you're riding in the high country <laughs> um but it's a your average nighttime kid's birthday party <laughs> costume birthday party Bo. yes look taking a kid to a costume party is a nightmare taking a kid to a birthday party is a nightmare you double those up and you want me to bring my child to a birthday party in a costume 
at seven o'clock at night, apparently. You can go fuck yourself. Oh, wait, there's an open bar. Oh, okay, we're good. So these kids are taking this smaller kid and they're being real shitty and playing pirate, like, ah, you got to walk the plank. The big kids are kind of bullies, and the little kid is the one who's going to get chunked in the pool. They march him to the edge of the diving board. That's what they're, they're going to make him jump into the pool. That's walking the plank. And Ramon is waiting in the pool and he's like, oh, what is this? delivery why you shouldn't have it's a little morsel but ramon is feeling a little peckish and this kid has a glimpse of this alligator starting to open its mouth for him yep and start screaming and there's this moment where you think maybe these kids are gonna save him and pull him back at the last second opposite but they shove this kid into this alligator's open maw where it's just like oh thank you gracias <laughs> the water in the pool goes bloody way better than the the grizzly stream we saw in the last I, film i agree with that it is just churning blood in this water it is absolutely brutal and it's one of the things that these jaws ripoffs learned is like oh you gotta kill a kid in in every movie <laughs> we're gonna kill a kid well jaws killed a kid we're gonna kill a kid exactly like that's what freaked people out they killed a kid right up front in jaws and it was brutal and horrible it's a it's really effective and you saw blood and everything right so these movies are like we are absolutely doing that shit and this <laughs> is maybe the most brutal including jaws of all of the jaws ripoffs of seeing this little child shoved into the mouth of this alligator presumably on his birthday yes is both wonderful and awful all at once we cut back to detective madison's house and for some reason dr marissa kendall comes out from the shower and you're like whoa do they have sex and you're like no we're gonna find out that she just decided to freshen up and then detective madison says hey there girly you know uh the first time i saw you i thought you were a real tight ass and then dr marissa says well when i first thought you i thought you were the kind of person whose apartment would look like this you know dingy dirty walls covered in pornography a bed that's a fold out from a couch dog piss and dog shit all over the floor a refrigerator that has a half a jar of mayonnaise one of those tiny plastic lemons with no lemon juice in it i like the way i can just tune you out from time to time let me ask you a question if we go to dinner, I'm going to be thinking about screwing you the entire time. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. wondering if we could just get that question out of the way. Will I be entering your vagina tonight? You know what? Kiss me, you ignorant, unemployed fool. <laughs> also, is that a yes about the vagina? He's the kind of guy who inquires about consensual sex almost too much. Like, I was surprised he didn't ask her to sign a document. The safe word is crocodile. We cut to this bodega where alligator killer Henry Silva is buying beer for three underage urban youths yeah this scene ain't great do you ever have a stranger buy you beer uh not a stranger i don't think i did i was at five point in our hometown you know every town's got a five point because of poor city planning and i asked this old codger to buy me beer and i gave him some bullshit excuse and this old man he was like son don't you lie to me you ain't old enough to buy beer just give me five dollars and i'll go in and buy it and i was like you know what honesty truly is the best policy crime does pay <laughs>
alligator killer Henry Silva. He says, not only will I ply you three young men with alcohol, but I will pay you each $10 a day to help me track down this alligator. And the whole thing feels kind of creepy, like Arnold and Dudley getting molested by Mr. Carlson. Yeah, there's some jungle talk that's not great. No. Also, there's the guy that says, $10 a day, make it 20 And Henry Silva says, oh, you must be the chieftain. Ugh, no, no, no. It makes you like him a lot less than you thought you should based on his misogyny with the reporter earlier. So good for you. Yeah. We cut back to Detective Madison Shit Shack, where he and the good doctor are now canoodling post very sad and desperate sex. And at this point, uh, Detective Madison, he starts to pull his own version of Dr. Marissa and just prattle on about how he's a shitty cop and that he was in some sort of a holdup and this guy put a roll of pennies to his head and he thought it was a gun then they took his gun and used his gun to shoot and kill his partner in st louis and that was the whole hotel incident that has been bandied about earlier in the movie i really get what you're saying now i really like it when i can just tune you out too it's like if we don't listen to each other we make the perfect couple yeah, I wasn't listening to a word that you were saying. Hey, you want to go get some Chinese food? Put your panties back on. You know what? Keep them off. I like it that way. I like to have that secret between us. Meanwhile, Brock and his crew of hired hands are going on the hunt into this alley. And as soon as they get a whiff of like, oh, Ramon might actually might be in this alley. <laughs> Everybody but Henry Silva is like, we gotta get out of here. It's the one that was lobbying for the $20 who's like, all right, all right, you guys stay here. I'll go with Henry Silva. Right. And so they start creeping down this alley. That's full of trash. All the alleys are full of trash. Yes. We get a silhouette of Ramon's head. Hello. You do not see me all yet, but I assure you, I am close by. Peekaboo, I see you. You do not see me. Oh, Henry Silva, you have been doing some very naughty things. I think I will enjoy eating you most of all. They can serve you up on the Henry Silva platter for me. <laughs> I just came up with that one. I am Ramon. I am so full of all kinds of quips. I was also going to say I was going to get a little Hank steak. But that to the first one, it was much, much better. Also, Henry Silva is just polishing off a bottle of old granddad whiskey yeah. as he's wandering down this alleyway with a loaded rifle. This drunken great white hunter <laughs> stalks close to this big pile of trash. Uh-huh. And Ramon just busts out, surprise, it is me, Ramon. Chomp, chomp, chomp. It's a quality chomping, too. It, it There is some good old-fashioned eating of Brock. When they were making this movie, they spent a good amount of money on a giant puppet alligator head. Uh-huh. And it paid off. They use it a lot, and it looks pretty good. This scene where he eats Henry Silva, imagine throwing your dog a full-size steak to eat. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, like, because it's kind of sticking out of both sides of his mouth, and there's a lot of like, ah, 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 and turning it a little, giving it a little, ah, ah, I got it. And the kid that came with him tries to use Henry Silva's giant rifle, but just can't figure it out or it's out of ammo or whatever. I thought he just picked it up and was like, hey, I just got a free rifle. 
Yiter. No, because he, he looks like he's going to try to shoot Ramon, but uh-huh. when he can't figure it out, he's just like, oh, fuck this, and takes off, leaving Ramon to enjoy his digestion of Brock, a.k.a. Henry Silva. Then we just cut over to Kendall and Madison, who are hanging out eating Chinese. Uh-huh. Just kind of bullshitting. And some cops roll in, and they're like, hey, we're, we're sorry to hear about what happened uh, with you, uh, Detective Mass. And he's like, don't even worry about it. I just had sex with this broad right here. She's quite a piece of ass. Remember Henry Silva, the alligator killer? Uh, he got eaten tonight by an alligator. You know, it's kind of like one of those uh, crocodile hunter things, although he got killed by a stingray, but still getting killed on the job, doing the thing you love. A little bit of irony there, but just thought you'd know. Well, it was his own damn fault, but nonetheless, I can't help but feel responsible somehow. Dr. Marissa tries to make him feel better, and she's like, you know, honey, I know how you feel. Look, sweetheart, don't try to make me feel better. I got shit to do, sugar thighs. Why don't you beat it she gets up and just throws a few bucks on the table to cover the cost of her low main and marches out of the restaurant the one two punch that madison has here is when she's like i really understand what you must be going through his line is hey don't understand me so quick (laughs) good line and then when she gets pissed and throws her money down and is about to leave she gives him this look like well are you gonna say anything he says well i guess mom will be waiting oh man that is the words of a man who does not give a shit if he ever sees her again yeah he's not a likable character at all in this movie meanwhile back at uh his his shithole apartment madison has this terrible dream about kelly getting eaten you know hi to hi and get pulled right from his grip and he then wakes up to an old monster movie uh one of those like bird eye gordon movies where they sub a you know monitor lizard for a giant dinosaur right kind of like they did in this movie exactly which you know again why not after having this nightmare he just decides like well i guess i've sobered up enough let's go see if that lady doctor wants a round two he goes to her mom's house her mother is there and has clearly been doing an excessive amount of cocaine this might be a prescription pills requiem for a dream scenario it is a non-stop barrage of nonsense coming out of her mouth that ultimately ends with so guess what guess what i've got an evil eye can you tell which one it is is it this one is is it that one? Is it this one? Is it that one? He's like, so uh, is uh, Dr. Marissa around here somewhere? Because I don't know that I can really keep up with all of the nonsense coming out of your mouth. I definitely can't keep up with the nonsense coming out of her mouth. She shows up in a bathrobe looking like a million bucks. Detective Madison says, hey, uh, I came to apologize, you know, for everything. And Dr. Marissa says, why don't you come upstairs and see my rock collection so these two go upstairs and they have sex on his way up though there's a look exchanged between madison and dr marissa kendall's mother Uh that's like hey i'm about to take your daughter upstairs for a good time don't wait up he does compliment her quote beautiful tits before they have sex so that's romantic in context i actually kind of like this because it's the last thing on a list of you're very smart you wrote a book also you've got amazing tits in my mind there's enough extra stuff if it was just the tits that's problematic but slipping it in as like yeah you've got a lot of brains also boobs it kind of works no you're completely wrong Bo. that's why i've never married chad (laughs) 
because all of my compliments are, are very similar to that. You've got a lot going on upstairs, and that hind end ain't doing anyone any harm either. The next day, Dr. Marissa and Detective Madison, they're outside of, I guess, her mom's house, coming up with a plan to track down Ramon the Alligator. Chief Gargles and his crew of alligator hunters, they now have police boats romping around the canals of this city, and they're shooting high powered machine guns at Ramon who has made his way to the canals the boats zip one way then another then one police officer grabs a grenade out of a big bucket of grenades and then the driver of this boat decides to use Ramon as a ramp this boat goes airborne cops fly this way and that the one cop that had the grenade in his hand drops it it explodes in the bucket of grenades and that police boat just blasts into shambles it is yeah. gone in a fireball it's amazing most of the cops make it to shore the ones who are not blown up and there's one dude in the water though and ramon is like oh well i appreciate all the fireworks but now that the pre-dinner entertainment is done I believe it is time to dine on pork. It's a real Jaws-style underwater stalking. The cop does make it to the boat, but before he can get pulled in by his buddies, Ramon gets hold of his legs and chomps on him real hard. And then when the cops eventually pull him in, this police officer makes his way into the boat, but he's got like stubby Lieutenant Dan legs. But what's weird about it is that the pants legs are tied off in little bows. Well, yeah, you know. So did that stunt man, he didn't have no legs like for real, right? That's right. Yeah, they'll get, you know, disabled stunt people to do those stunts where you have like arms and legs missing and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's like Todd Browning's Freaks Chat. Boy, there, there's a movie you couldn't make today. Anyway, back at the scene of the crime, a.k.a. the boat explosion, the chief is just having a conniption because he's like, The alligator got away! Everybody get back to the Slade Mansion! We're having a wedding at the Slade Mansion where Old Man Slade's daughter is marrying the puppy murderer, and this is their wedding day. That's right, and everything is kind of converging here, like Madison and Dr. Murray Marissa Kendall are headed there because they have determined that, hey, if the lock is closed in the river, then Ramon is going to come out of the water and he's going to end up on a direct course for this wedding. The police are now headed there as well, as is, of course, Ramon, who is on his way to a wedding. Ramon does not normally crash a wedding, but Ramon is feeling frisky. <laughs> this reception is in full swing like mr slade is on the grill trying to make a little time with a woman a third his age right while the mayor is like oh that's some good grill in there mr slade shut up you i don't need to hear your ass kissing i'm over here trying to make it with the redhead and <laughs> this delicious beef aroma drifts through the air to the foliage nearby where ramon oh that is such an intoxicating bouquet ramon must follow it because it smells like there is something to satiate my insatiable appetite mm -hmm. wait what is this a poodle that is not what i'm looking for i'm looking for something that is more a cow or human based Wait, wait. You are telling me that you are putting this meat on a hot surface, and then you eat that meat? Let me get a closer look. Ramon's mind is a bloom. <laughs> look, I come from 
ancestors millions of years. We have adapted very little in that time. And now you're telling me I could have been cooking this whole time? Mm, Ramon is intrigued. But first, waitress. Hum, hum, hum. First person to go, poor waitress at this reception. Ramon chews through her. Then it's on to some best men, Chad. It's just mayhem. This alligator rolls up into this joint and just starts eating the fuck out of the wedding party. <laughs> and using his tail to smack people left and right. Like one groomsman goes into the wedding cake. A couple of bridesmaids get smacked into the pool. It's total chaos. It's absolute pandelirium. I love everything about it. And then Mr. Slade and the mayor see, you know, hey, this alligator situation is really taking a turn. Right. So we got to get out of here. They head for the limo, but old man Slade gets there first and locks the door on the mayor. Yeah. Ramon, who has been eating up some best men here and there. He eats the groom. Yeah. Our evil scientist gets it. The wedding is off, Bo. Uh, let's see who the survivor. <laughs> survivors are maybe we can we can uh make this day worthwhile well we had to eat the puppy killer because he's yeah. the puppy killer and then he eats the mayor yes he eats the mayor which is a pretty good death and then mr slade is inside the limo get away from me alligator do you know who i am i'm old man slade from slade pharmaceutical oh look at me here outside without the can opener <laughs> i think my tail will suffice and Ramon just starts going after this limousine with his tail just smashing it uh -huh. until he crushes it almost flat. And you get some shots of old man Slade inside slowly being crushed by the car as it is demolished by this tail until we see blood leaking out of the open door now. Yeah. So he has crushed the evil pharmaceutical boss to death. Doesn't a lot of this feel like it? should be more revenge like ramon should have a reason to kill all of these people but he doesn't he just happened to quite fortuitously show up at the place where all the assholes were well but there's a nice poetry to it in the sense that hey this creature that was created by slade and his company and kept under wraps has now come to literally eat his creator not quite a frankenstein uh scenario but it's definitely like he is reaping what he has sown outside the wedding detective madison and dr Dr. Marissa Kendall, they show up and Detective Madison, he just pulls a gun on the guard at the gate and the guard's like, hey, hey, just go in. Don't shoot me. I'm not going to die over this shitty job. I also like uh, when they're like, hey, we're here for the alligator. The guy at the gate is like, well, I got a magician and an orchestra, but no alligator. <laughs> that's a joke that got me they end up going inside and there's still chaos everywhere because people have been eaten by an oversized alligator these two chase after ramon on foot and they see that he went back down into the sewer so detective madison he goes over and moves a manhole cover goes down into the sewer and he has a plan to take care of this alligator once and for good Bo. I have no idea what his plan is, but he's got one. He says, I'm going to go down into that sewer and take care of this alligator. I'm going to let you know which manhole I'm going to come up. Whatever you do, make sure that manhole is not blocked. That would be a bad thing. He goes down into the poo-poo and pee-pee water of the sewer. Ramon shows up and gives chase. It's all very suspenseful, Bo. The alligator in the sewer somehow appears to be smaller than the one we saw at the wedding party. That happens 
happens a lot in this movie. The scale of the alligator gets larger and smaller depending upon where it's located. I don't know if that's a lighting thing or just poor production quality. It's poor production quality. It looks smaller in the sewer because it's smaller in the sewer. And <laughs> yeah, But yeah, Ramon is chasing Madison around. He has not only his gas mask to let you know that, hey, there's methane afoot, but he has his sweaty sticks of dynamite and puts it on a two-minute timer. And in theory, this explosion is going to set off a chain reaction of methane explosions that are going to destroy Ramon along with most of the city sewer system, probably. Okay. You know, hey, sometimes you gotta, you know, send in a snake to get a rat. Um, uh, you know, want to make an omelet, Bo? Exactly. He sets the timer, goes up to uh, a ladder to climb up to to get out of the sewers, but uh -huh. this old woman has pulled up and is stopped with her tire right on top of the manhole to let this truck back out. It's a garbage truck, which also is making so much noise, she can't hear Madison under the street screaming hey move your car i gotta get out of here there's a bomb and a nova size alligator it's double jeopardy for your old pal detective madison it has been quite a day i did like the scene with the car rolling on top of the manhole cover in a very distant faint way it kind of reminded me of how when doc brown goes to connect the two power cables and the tree branch is preventing them from meeting it's one more level of suspense on top of being chased by an alligator on top of the bomb we have with the two minute timer now we have this car uh, preventing his escape so it's not perfectly executed but i think that the intention was well received on my part it's enough of an action casserole that even if the ingredients are not quite right it's like ah this is still perfectly edible it's yeah. not not the best thing i ever had but you know sticks to the ribs dr marissa shows up and she's like lady move your car my boyfriend's down under you know, i can't say boyfriend this guy i've been dating is under the street and he's got to get you know what i'm gonna say he's my boyfriend i like you know what yeah he's my boyfriend I'm not going to say I love him, but I really like him a lot. He's terrible, but I like him. And then she just shoves this old lady over. is like, get out of the way. Ah! And, you know, backs up the car. He gets out. They both run away from the manhole as uh, it explodes. And boom, Ramon is blown to chunks. So sorry, everyone. I have to leave now, but it has been a pleasure. An honor of knowing you. It has been my privilege to eat a child in front of you. I hope that you enjoyed me eating the puppy killer and the puppy killer's boss. Also, that reporter that was smoking in the hospital, he probably gave some poor kid cancer. Yes, maybe I ate a child too, but I never gave one cancer. So Ramon is gone. A bunch of emergency vehicles show up to do nothing, really. Chief Gargles arrives to say, and then Detective Madison and Dr. Marissa Kendall, they walk off satisfied that they blew up an alligator. And then the movie gives us a little stinger where we're back in the sewer and we see another baby alligator come down the pipes and splash in the water implying that a sequel may come out quite possibly 10 years later that has nothing to do with this movie that would be subtitled the mutation yes right. um and that's it the end that's alligator uh and it's terrific chad 
What a great movie. And it's free on YouTube as of the time of this recording. You don't have to pay anything for it. Just internet access. Go to the public library and shoo away a homeless person who's trying to access pornography and you can watch this for free. Even if you wanted to pay for this movie, you can't because you can't buy it anywhere. (laughs) That's true. It is unavailable anywhere for purchase, only for illegal download. So here's a funny story. I purchased a copy of Alligator off of eBay. And what I received was a DVD rip of a VHS transfer that's in like four (laughs) by three and just looked like garbage and had a lot of Chinese on the cover. So I think I got a little bit had on my $4 copy of Alligator, Chad. I think you did too. But I will say that the the copy on YouTube, the, the version on YouTube is not the worst. It's not great, but it's certainly watchable. And if you really want to have fun, turn the subtitles on because they get so much wrong it'll add another layer of stupidity to this movie yeah i really do wish though that somebody like a shout factory or a vinegar syndrome or somebody i would love to see a good transfer of this movie there there are moments especially some of those sewer shots that i bet probably looked a lot better if you clean that up just a little bit Maybe. But yeah, Robert Forster's fantastic in it. It's got a great alligator puppet. It knows what a dumb premise this is, but it has a good time with all of that. And it's kind of brutal, man. That kid being murdered in his own pool is really something like that that sticks with you the gold standard is the movie prophecy where that dude is just hurtled in a sleeping bag at a tree that's maybe the best death in any of these kind of jaws rip off monster movies Uh uh-huh and it's because of the explosion of feathers when that dude hits the tree it's it's quite good chad but this kid being forced to walk the plank into an open alligator mouth Also quite good. But what do we have for episode three of this season's theme? It's like Jaws. Well, Chad, we've dealt with bears Uh in the woods. We've dealt with alligators in the sewers. Oh, yes. But what's more terrifying than the air itself and what might be flying in it? We have a giant big budget all-star amazing Irwin allen production of a movie called the swarm in which america's worry over killer bees coming up from mexico and killing all of us is brought to cinematic life with oh the likes God. of henry fonda and michael kane that sounds fantastic. I didn't even know this was a thing. Chad, it has been so long since I've seen this movie, but I'll tell you, the scene I remember most is there's a scene where Henry Fonda is trying to give himself an injection. No, no. This is not quite on Golden Pond, Henry Fonda, <laughs> but it's getting there. And he gives himself an injection of this bee poison or bee venom. Okay. Because they're trying to figure out how to stop all these killer bees, right? And he's a scientist, so he stabs himself and gives himself some anti-venom. Is he a superhero? No, no, no. The whole scene is just him like, okay, I've administered this horrible, horrible poison. Now here's an antidote that I'm not too sure about. He starts watching. He's like, all right, well, I'm a little sweaty, but I'm okay. And then he just goes, oh, oh, God. Oh, God. And then fucking dies. Spoilers. Henry Fonda does not make it through this movie. Well, now you've ruined that for me. I can't ruin the joy of the swarm. It's It's got Michael Caine. Oh, you can't ruin any of the movies that we talk about. On the yeah. Podcast. They're all crap. 
bite your tongue. You're saying that on the heels of alligator? Have you no dignity, sir? No, clearly not. So come back and see us in two weeks' time. We will be discussing The Swarm, where Henry Fonda injects himself with bee venom in his dick, and it kills him. Yeah, that's how I remember it. (laughs) As always, like, rate, review. We don't really ask for people to review our show, but if you leave us a review, it does help us out with ratings. And sometimes it's a big pain in the ass to have to go do that, but we would love to hear from you. Your thoughts on the show, you can go and do it over at Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever else you can leave reviews. Tell us what you think of the show. You can send us an email at picksixmovies at gmail.com. Bo, any final thoughts that you have on alligator from the year 1980 no it's amazing it's alligator go watch it i would have to agree with that it is my greatest performance in cinema that time when i came up just out of the water and looked a little bit like a log that's what got me the pot that was my audition tape i said let me open my eye a little bit and they said no all the way i said no no wait i opened my eye a little bit and then i opened my eye all the way And they said, you have got it. (laughs) You took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) All right. We'll see you in two weeks time, everybody. Thanks for listening.